Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Emily and she takes us through her two pregnancies and birth stories, but today's episode is a little bit different. So I just wanted to give you, I guess, a bit of a warning about what's in today's episode in case it's not for you. So Emily takes us through her first pregnancy, which was about a year and a half after they had started trying and they experienced unexplained infertility and then spontaneously fell pregnant. She takes us through her pregnancy journey and then into her planned home birth, which turned hospital birth because she ended up going into labor at 36 weeks. So that is a really beautiful birth story. And she talks us through how she managed through her labor and ended up giving birth in the dark toilet uh, bathroom space in the hospital, which is really common and yeah, actually a really awesome place to give birth. So she talks us through that and then through her breastfeeding struggles where she has suspected Reynards and what that sort of put a hindrance on their breastfeeding journey and then she talks us through her second pregnancy which happened as soon as she stopped taking contraception um, after her first birth and at the 12 week scan they discovered that there were some abnormalities and it was eventually discovered that the abnormality was trisomy 18 and Emily takes us through their decision to do a medical termination at 16 weeks so I just wanted to let you know that Emily talks us through that journey in a really honest and real way so if this episode doesn't feel like it's for you then probably skip this one but if you're interested in hearing Emily's journey or you're going through something similar she does a really beautiful job of explaining what they went through and yeah I just my heart absolutely goes out to her and her family and I am so grateful that she was willing to share her experience with us because she's definitely not the only one that this has happened to so yeah, if this episode sounds like something that you are interested in listening to, then absolutely carry on. But if not, I would uh, advise you to skip this one now. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Okay, so my name is Emily and I am a, a core midwife. That means I work at the hospital, so I don't take my own clients, but um, I look after people when they have their babies and after they have their babies. Um, and I have a husband called Tim and a three-year-old boy called Harry and another little boy that didn't make it through the pregnancy named Oliver. And we have a dog named Baxter. Oh, my dog's name is Baxter too. <laughs> is it? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Um, <laughs> cool. And whereabouts in New Zealand do you live? We're in Marlborough, top of the south. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time around? Well, the first time it did take quite a, a while, or longer than we expected. It was about a year and a half. Um, so we... We just tried as you do, and then after a year, we started. We got a few tests and everything, and we found out that we had um, unexplained infertility, so there wasn't actually anything wrong, um, yep. which is great, but also kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and <laughs> then, so we had a couple of appointments and stuff, and then um, found out that I was pregnant naturally. So that was really great that we didn't actually need any fertility treatment. Yeah, wow. And were you tracking your cycles and things like that throughout that period? 
Yeah, if, even from before I we started, yeah. I was yeah. checking it because I wanted to be all prepared and yeah, yeah. wanted it to be easy, but it's kind of it doesn't always work out that way. But that's yeah. okay. It was it was fine, but it was we were, we were just really lucky to that it happened naturally and feel really grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. And were you a midwife yeah. at this stage? Yeah, I was. So that was interesting because I. Mm was around the babies all the time and um I was teaching antenatal classes as well which it was it was really lovely and I love babies and love pregnancy but it was hard sometimes <laughs> to, yeah, yeah because we wanted it so badly and it felt like everybody was having mm. babies <laughs> and except us but we we got there yeah yeah and how did you end yeah. up finding out that you were pregnant did you have many symptoms initially no, I didn't have any symptoms and I mean I'd been felt like I was always getting these negative pregnancy tests and I kind of I was I was due for my period but I I just I was about to go to work and I thought oh I'll just check it I'll just do a test just so that I don't think about it my whole time at my shift and I mm. did the test and came up with the two lines and I just was <laughs> I didn't even, I had like a real moment where I was like, what does this mean? I, I ran into my husband because he was working from home at the time. And I was like, what does this mean? Like there's two lines. And <laughs> he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Should we get another test? And we were like, oh my God. And then we just kind of went, okay, like relax. We know what it means. It means that we're pregnant. So it was really, really exciting. We were absolutely over the moon. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And did you decide to um, go under midwifery care for your pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I um, contacted, I kind of always had in my head who I would have as my midwife. So I contacted yep. her straight away and she had space or made space um, <laughs> for us. And um, yeah, I, I didn't have any complications or anything like that. I was healthy and um, knew I'd be a low risk pregnancy. So I knew that I was it was appropriate for me to be with midwifery care. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. And how were you feeling throughout the rest of your first trimester? What was that like? Um, I felt really good. I just had that overwhelming tiredness where mm. I just, like my whole body just was so exhausted and had lots of naps. And um, But I, I felt really good. Like I didn't feel very sick, just a bit nauseous at times. Um, I think I spewed twice once was after eating fish and chips which is probably not a good idea but um I was really lucky I had a great first trimester I just um I was anxious just but I think normal first trimester anxiety yeah but but yeah nothing too extreme yeah yeah awesome and what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like did you do sort of all the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you find out the sex yeah um, yeah, we did find out the sex. I didn't want to. I wanted a surprise because <laughs> I love the moment at the birth when, you know, usually it's the partner um, gets yeah. to announce it and says, it's a boy or it's a girl <laughs> and oh, all the emotions. And so I really wanted that. But my husband really wanted to find out. And <laughs> we, were, we were actually at the 12-week scan and the, I knew the sonographer and he said, oh, do you want me to have a look? We're not really supposed to sort of say at this time and it's not 100%. And I was like, oh, I was kind of put off guard because I thought I was going to be able to convince, have time to convince um, Tim that, you know, not to find out yeah, he would have a surprise. Yeah. But then then he looked and he said, oh, it's really obvious. And he said, it's a boy. So, <laughs> well, we, we agreed that he could tell us and he said it was a boy. So then I was really glad that we knew. So it was, yeah, just, not, I don't know. It was kind of put a personality to him. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. But I still love surprises. <laughs> yeah, same. I think I would have um I would have had a surprise maybe if I could have stuck it out for that long. But Joe was just such <laughs> yeah. a no-to, so I know the feeling. Yeah. Um and did you do the sort of rest of the standard testing offered in New Zealand? Yep, I did everything that's just all the recommended stuff. I um I I I wouldn't necessarily go along with everything just because you should, but I feel like um, most of the things that we do in New Zealand are really great and um, they're not too invasive or anything. So I went along with everything um, and yeah, I wanted to know that everything was tracking as it should be as well. So yeah, I did everything. 
Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. And what about sort of birth classes or antenatal classes, any sort of birth education? I know you're a midwife, so maybe it didn't feel as relevant, <laughs> but did you do um, any of that? No, it, yeah, I did. Well, um, I had been teaching the hospital run classes, so yeah. I, we didn't want to go with them because it, to to be, I, I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but it would have been a little bit boring for me because yeah, of know, course, yeah, teaching them all the time. So it would have been a bit hard for me to sit through them. So we chose to go with the parent centre classes, um, and it was fantastic. Um, and that was for Tim as well. But um, you get the coffee group and everything. So and I re- I really enjoyed going along to that. I only got yeah. to go to two of them because um, we ended up going into labour early but the two were really great and I still got all of the after stuff as well yeah 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 cool and what about a sort of birth plan did you have many thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go or any type of plan there yeah I had a big plan (laughs) I had been (laughs) dreaming about it for years and years so I wanted a home birth um I love home birth I mean I love all birth but we um I've just home birth just feels so fantastic and I've loved the home birth that I've um, had the pleasure of being at Um, and so I really really wanted that I had bought a birth pool and had everything all set up and I even had a plan that when I went into labour my parents would come and that all set everything up and had it all sorted out Um, so I really had my heart set on that but I was also open to transferring into hospital when I needed to if I needed to um and I was totally open to if I needed an epidural or something but I had really prepared myself um to I tried to do everything that I could throughout my pregnancy to increase my chances of being able to have a normal birth so I I really did have my heart set on that yeah yeah, and did you do anything sort of in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea, perennial massage, anything like that? Yeah, yeah I did raspberry leaf tea and um, antenatal expressing, but I only got to do antenatal expressing a couple of times because you only meant to start it at yeah, six yeah. weeks. Yeah, and so I didn't get much <laughs> much of a chance um, because I went into labour at thirty six weeks. Um, I did um, antenatal Pilates twice a week for every week of my pregnancy from nice. about 12 weeks, I think. And yeah. I just loved that so much. The, um, the teacher was a woman's health physio, and so she was just amazing. And it just I felt that that really prepared me and got me, my body strong where it needed to be strong. Yeah. It's around my hips and, um, and, and just getting that strength for labor. I, I, I believe that labor is like a marathon and you know that you've got nine months or however long to prepare for it so there's so much that you can do you're not guaranteed anything but you can increase your chances of coping well you can kind of help yourself so I wanted to do that but I didn't get to do perennial massage because I was going to start that like right after I had planned to start it soon and yeah Yeah. (laughs) didn't get to do that but I would (laughs) have Cool. Awesome. And I know you mentioned your labour started um, early. So do you want to take us through your labour starting and how far along were you and what that experience was like? Yeah. Yeah. So I was 36 weeks. I thought that I would go late. I don't know why. I just had it in my head. And first time mum, like, oh, probably be 42 weeks and need to be induced. And um, I, my husband was away on a work trip and it was his last trip tra- um, travelling out of town before having the baby because I said no you can't do it too close (laughs) to my due date um and it was 9 30 in the morning and I was ready to go to some friends and I just I was in the bathroom about to leave and suddenly just this big gush of water just went um everywhere down my legs and it was really dramatic like the movies I always tell women oh it won't be like that it'll be just like sort of a slow leak and you wonder oh did I just wet my pants a little bit but no, I got the real dramatic one. It was just like buckets of water coming yeah. out, it felt like. Um, and so I kind of just like, I kind of had a moment of panic, like what the heck? That is definitely, I'm, 
I've just weighed, so I know it's not wheeze. That is my waters. And I think I rang my midwife first and told her, and she said, if you're not contracting, I'll meet you at the hospital this afternoon. And I wasn't. Um, and then I rang my husband and said, you need to – he was two flights away. So I was yeah. like, you need to get on a plane now because I, I don't know what's going to happen um, and I don't want you to, you know – risk missing it I need you here <laughs> so he just left his breakfast meeting got in a car and raced to the airport and tried to organize his flights and it was pretty dramatic okay. <laughs> um, and in the meantime I was just kind of trying to calm myself down and work out what I needed to do and finish packing my hospital bag <laughs> but um so yeah, it was it was not what I expected, and as soon as my waters broke, I knew that I wouldn't get a home birth because yeah. I was under thirty seven weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was quite gutted about that, and I was kind of trying to say to my midwife, "Oh, is there any way we can kind of like make the dates work that we can say that I'm thirty seven <laughs> weeks?" But um, I mean, I there's always you don't have to do what the medical professionals yeah, say. Yeah. You can always make your own choices, but I knew that I would have a slightly premature baby and I knew that the right thing to do was to have him in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so what sort of happened from there as your labor progressed? Did you stay at home for a while or what, what was next? Yeah, I just stayed at home and kind of um, was on and off the phone to midwife friends. My mum and dad came over and I just was pacing around, I don't know, just kind of waiting for things to happen. And, um, organizing could my midwife it was it, she only actually took three clients a month but she had two other women in labor that day so she was having like all her woman birth in one day which is how it can happen sometimes so she she was kind of organizing and I was kind of organizing who I wanted to back um be, be there for me instead and um just talking I was talking to one of my really good um, friends who's a midwife and she was saying you know you, you know that you won't start contracting until you know that Tim's almost here your body won't let you do it because of hormones and everything and I was like okay yeah I'll just calm down calm down and then as soon as I knew that he was in the air on his last flight and he was almost here that's when the contractions did start so that was at about, I think it was, uh, from memory, it was about two o'clock or something that he got here. And by then I was in, well, I didn't realise, but I was in pretty full-on labour. Yeah. So um, we went up to the hospital and um, I was seven centimetres. It happened really quickly. Like I think I'd only had been having contractions for about half an hour. Yeah, wow. So just suddenly got there um I think his he was in a really good position and his head must have been in the right place and maybe all the pacing around that I'd done after my waters <laughs> broke maybe got him down low and um yeah into into a good labor position <laughs> yeah yeah awesome and so did you go up to the hospital from there yeah, so that's when we got up to the we got up to the hospital, and that's when I got assessed and was seven centimeters. And um, because the um, because it was kind of, it was a really crazy busy day. We normally in our um, unit we normally have on average one point five births a day, but there were six babies born oh that day. So yeah, we have three um, delivery rooms, um, and I had never seen all three be used <laughs> and needing to use an extra room but when I got there um my midwife took me into one of the postnatal rooms yeah. and I was like oh, okay this is weird why am I going in here and then I realized that there was she was setting up a delivery trolley in there and I was like what why am I in here <laughs> and then she said oh all the other rooms are full so you're gonna be have your baby in here and I was thinking oh man do I not get any special treatment for working here <laughs> but um it was actually it was really really cool um like being in that small space yeah. it kind of felt quite primal and like a cave kind of yeah awesome very cool and how long was it until you gave birth do you want to take us through the sort of transition period and then yeah into your birth 
Yeah, well, it wasn't very long. So I got to the hospital at about 2.30 and then um, I, I, I think I was probably started transition, transitioning not long after that. Um, I went into the bathroom of the postnatal room, which is quite small, and had the shower on me. And then um, I just kind of couldn't get comfortable no matter how I was. Mm. And we ended up getting – so it was dark. We got completely dark in there and – there was, I ended up having, my midwife was um, in with another labour and so my friend and another midwife were in there with me um, and we were kind of all crammed into this tiny little bathroom and then my mum was in there as well and my dad was in the in the room but not in the bathroom yeah. he was in like around he, he was so he was there but I don't think he wanted to be yeah. there for the glory part um and then yeah it was it was he um I just kind of my body just moved around in all these crazy positions and then um I had, I think just before four o'clock I started pushing and I pushed for 18 minutes and then he was born at um, 13 minutes past four so it was quite quick for a first timer yeah yeah um, but yeah it went really well I was I felt emotionally not ready because it was not only early gestation and you know earlier gestation than I was expecting but then because it was so fast mm-hmm. I was kind of like I remember saying to myself oh, no, you're not ready, you're not ready. This is such a big moment and you're not ready for it to be here. But then I was like, oh, but then the pain will be gone. So maybe you should just start pushing a bit better. (laughs) So it was really great. Like I felt like I was so lucky to have such a positive birthing experience. It it was probably, it really was the best moment of my life. And I I know it's not like that for everyone, but it was – I I really loved it. I loved being in labor. I felt so strong. I felt like my body was doing what it had, what it was designed to do. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, I loved it. Did you give birth in the bathroom? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was like on my knees. Um, Yeah, my husband was sitting on the toilet, and I was like on my knees in front of him, holding his hands, and then my. my midwife that's my really close friend ended up delivering him um I just you know birthed him and she got him and then I sat back and held him and it was just really really nice yeah amazing very cool and did you do delayed cord clamping and skin to skin and all that beautiful stuff yeah I did I actually did um I left the cord intact until after the placenta was born so that he really got the full um full amount um then after the placenta the placenta was born we it clamped and cut it and everything yeah. but yeah we I, I wanted it on there as long as possible just to make sure that he got all of the the goodies <laughs> yeah awesome yeah. cool and did you have a name picked up for him already yeah we we always had um harry but we we kind of were like, oh, we'll we'll put more thought into it towards the end. But if we can't come up with anything better, we'll have that. And then, <laughs> yeah. so we were like, okay, that's what it is, and and we love that, and it suits him so much. So yeah, I, nothing has come up since then that I wish we called him. So I think yeah. it was just meant to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And how long did you end up spending in the hospital? We stayed for two nights because he was that little bit early um, and his blood sugars dropped a bit. So he ended up having donor milk pretty quickly. um, And, but once we got his, he was a really good size. He was seven pound 11. So, and that was at 36 weeks. So he would have been pretty massive if he'd gone the full full time, but he was a hungry boy and he, so when his blood sugars were dropping, he needed to, you know, have them checked all the time. So we did need to stay for those couple of nights. And um, probably if I hadn't been a midwife, probably would have needed to stay longer, but I could, you know, assess um, a bit more than what the average person probably could have at home, even though I was trying to just act like a normal mum. But Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think they felt comfortable that, I could go home because I could pick up on the signs if anything was not going quite right. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool. And did you have any tearing? I forgot to ask from your birth. Um, only I only had a tiny, tiny little bit, and I did get it sutured. They did say you you can choose whether to or whether not to, and I thought, no, I want it to be back perfect again. So yeah. <laughs> they put a little stitch in, <laughs> but it was yeah. probably unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome cool and how did you find things once you got home what was your breastfeeding experience like and how did you go adjusting to life as a mum? um well yeah the breastfeeding was really disappointing for me because I thought that it would be really good and I think I arrogantly thought oh I've got normal breasts and normal nipples and I've l- helped so many women latch their babies and most breastfeeding problems are from latching issues and mm-hmm. but we just had from day one until I stopped breastfeeding. It was just so many issues and it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was yeah. really unfortunate because I loved, you know, I loved, was so supportive of breastfeeding and it was yeah. really important to me. But, um, yeah, we he had a tongue and lip tie, which we got yeah. lasered. Um, and, yeah, we just, I kept getting mastitis and, I ended up um, having vasospasms in my nipples, which possibly were caused by Raynards. When yep. I'm not, still not 100% sure. And then I ended up getting breast aver- breastfeeding aversion, which is when you feel like absolutely like sick, like fingernails yeah. on a blackboard when you breastfeed, which was horrible because I wanted to do it, but I felt it felt disgusting. Yeah. But um, and I couldn't um, when I pumped, I couldn't really get anything, so nothing would. I'd get like drops but I knew mm. when I hand expressed I could get milk but um for some reason pumping just didn't work for me and it didn't matter what pump I tried yeah. so if I so I couldn't stop breastfeeding because I would get mastitis so I had to persevere with it but it, um and I wanted to but yeah. oh it was just it was a battle and I luckily had a really close friend who um kindly um, gave us donor milk to um, supplement for a long time and then we moved to formula and mixed feed and until he was a year old and on his first birthday I did the last breastfeed I was like I've got to a year and I was like all set up and feeling emotional about it and then he bit me <laughs> and I was like that is it <laughs> I am done <laughs> yeah, yeah. not even emotional about it it's over <laughs> yeah but so it was, it was, yeah, it was just disappointing for me. But um, we got there. We 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 made something work for us, and it was fine. He's happy and healthy. Yeah, yeah. And how did you go, sort of emotionally, with that journey? Obviously, you're adjusting to life as a new mum, and you're having breastfeeding yeah. struggles. And did you experience the baby blues? Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really get the blues, but I just got. I think. I had so many expectations on myself and I think so many people probably relate to it that you just, you want to do the best for your baby and you, I don't know, it was, I was just so tired all the time as well because he slept so poorly and I think I didn't feel probably like myself that that whole first year at least, but but I I did love it at the same time, but I just was so tired and you feel like your whole world's been tipped upside down and nothing can prepare you for that yeah you just nothing can like I had seen you know I knew I knew how hard it would be because I had been in women's homes after they'd Mm -hmm. had their babies I had you know I knew I I I I think it was as hard as I expected but I think I was hoping that it wouldn't be as hard as I thought it would be (laughs) but it definitely was it was really hard but it's also you just get into the swing of it and you just, yeah. that's your life now. And you, there's so many wonderful moments amongst the tiredness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm sure. But yeah, I don't think I got, I, I, I never got postnatal depression or anything, but I definitely got quite, um, I think I drove Tim insane because I was just constantly trying, I was always trying to make the breastfeeding work yeah. and I was yeah. trying to do all the right things and, probably trying to be a bit too much of a perfectionist with it and I have the wisdom now to know that I should have (laughs) been a bit kinder to myself maybe yeah yeah hindsight's an easy thing to say though isn't it (laughs) it so is 
and yeah. but yeah, it was just it's all a bit it's all a bit of a blur, but yeah, but I but yeah, yeah still still loved it. Yeah, cool. And what about your physical recovery? How did you find that? Yeah, that was really good. Like apart from my breasts, everything went really well. Um, I think I recovered really quickly. I just um, I I just I think because I was so tired and because I was always trying to. I was always, my breasts were always sore and I kind of couldn't get back into doing normal things easily like exercise. I I would go for walks and I was always pushing them in the pram, but everything was just a bit harder. But yeah, I've, uh, apart from my breasts, I was physically fine. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you had a second pregnancy. So do you want to take us through that? journey to falling pregnant a second time around were you trying for a baby or what was that like yeah well we um we actually got pregnant the first time that we didn't use contraception this time so (laughs) that was (laughs) that was really surprising because we just I thought oh it'll take a year and a half again or maybe longer because I'm older now or um so that was a big shock um it shouldn't have been (laughs) but it it just was because I was and how old was Harry Um, at the time Oh, Harry would have um he would have been two and a half when I found out that I was pregnant. Um we did we wouldn't have originally planned to have such a long gap, but he Harry didn't sleep until he was just over two, so we were like, There's no way we can cope with another baby. He was still <laughs> yeah. working like nine times a night sometimes. Oh so yeah. we needed to get through that before we could think about another one. Yeah. Um yeah, so it was a shock, but it shouldn't have been because we, you know, we know what happens when you <laughs> don't use contraception, you have a baby. And very, but such a lovely surprise, like, oh, I just felt so over the moon. Yeah, and how were you feeling in your first trimester? Were your symptoms much the same or what was that like? It was completely different. Um, I was really, really sick. Um, so just it was the complete opposite. I was vomiting all the time um just and like power tracking like it really really bad um not to the point where I needed to be hospitalized but there was one point where I probably should have been but it was during lockdown and I didn't want to go to A&E so I just kind of used everything I could to make sure I could get fluids into myself but um yeah so I just thought um maybe it's a girl because it's a different such a different experience this time but um it wasn't it was um just probably not a very healthy pregnancy yeah and so did you do the 12 week um scan and testing that you did the first time yeah yeah so we um I I got a dating scan because I wanted to be really really sure of my dates because of my experience with um having Harry a little bit early I wanted to have that really like set in stone um and when I went for the dating scan it put me back a week and I knew that couldn't have been possible because I had been tracking my cycles and everything I knew when I um you know ovulated all that kind of stuff um so I thought oh that's really weird um especially because I thought that if anything I would have a big baby on board that would they'd think that I was due earlier than I was Um, so then when it came time for my 12 week scan, I was actually by my dates, I was 14 weeks then. Um, but because of the dating scan, they thought that I was earlier than I was because it was a smaller, uh, less developed baby. Um, so by the time, yeah, so that was kind of one of the first, well, that was the first big thing that we did. Um, and, I had, we had unfortunately already put, we announced the pregnancy on Facebook um, and just because we were so excited and Mm -hmm. people kept finding out and we're, you know, when we should have already told them and finding out through other people and we're like, oh, we just need to put it on Facebook and get it done. And I felt so not anxious. I just felt like, oh, this is such a strong pregnancy. I'm spewing all the time and, you know, um, and I've had a, had that dating scan and there was a heartbeat and everything was good. So, yep, we'll just put it on there. And then, so we went for that scan and, um, we, yeah, we just were 
all we were hoping was that we might get to find out the sex early. Um, we're sort of planning how we can convince him to tell us at 12 weeks this time, like we got to find out last time. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, so when we went into the scan, it was, it was a really bad, bad time. It was, yeah. um, it was, yeah, so we, we went in really happy and then she, the sonographer just, um, she just kept doing the nuchal translucency um, measurement over and over and over. And I, I know enough to know what a normal measurement is and what the, you know, measuring for. And I, I don't, midwives, this is not something that we do. We just, we, we know about it, but we don't, we're not trained in anything like that. Doing what, you know, what the sonographer does, but I knew enough, um, to know that it was something wasn't quite right and I could tell that she was acting really weird and um and then she kept doing this measurement over and over and then she said oh I'd like to do a transvaginal scan so she did that and then I could see that she was measuring the same thing again and again and then she said oh we'll try an abdominal scan again just so I can get this measurement and I was sort of saying is there something wrong and she didn't obviously couldn't didn't want to tell me and it was so traumatic (laughs) and and then um I finally said to her at the end is the measurement high and she said um yeah it's getting up there and um I said what's the number and she told me the number and it was twice the amount that it could have been to be normal like twice of the higher end so I and um, Tim said to me, "What does that mean?" And I said, "It's the, um, it's you know what the what they're looking for to see if the baby has Down syndrome or something similar to that or worse than that." Um, and that was kind of all the information we got. And then we just walked out to the car, just in silence. We didn't really know what to do. And then I rang my midwife and told her, um, and she just dropped everything and ran and drove straight up to the hospital and t- t- so that she could talk to the obstetrician in person for me. Um, and then she rang me back and to give me more information about what he said. And um, he basically said, you know, that there was a chance that with a NT measurement that high that it could be normal, the baby could be normal, but very unlikely. Um, and she she just kept kind of, doing more re- research from me and talking to more people. And then she'd just ring me back all the time and give us more information. Um, and she talked to the, son- the sonographer um, and then the sonographer let her know that she had found what's called an omphalocele on our baby, which is when um, it's an abdominal wall defect and it means that the organs are kind of coming out of the abdomen into where the umbilical cord is. Um, and so then we kind of had something more concrete to actually look at and that uh, there can be good outcomes with that. It's about 50, 50, whether the baby will survive or, and then if they get through the pregnancy, then they get, have to get operated on straight away at birth. Um, and, but the thing with it is that it's usually connected to a chromosomal defect. So that was the bigger concern um but I didn't you know I knew little bits but I didn't kind of know that much so I had to kind of get on Google and just try and find really really good um information that wasn't just you know forums or something but it was really hard because it's all really rare um luckily I had one of my 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 friend who delivered Harry was just like my rock like I was just sending her things going do you think this means that or do you think this piece of research means this thing and I kind of tried to nut it out because I couldn't get get an appointment with the specialist until the Monday so that was the Wednesday and so I knew I had like five days of just sitting there with the information that something was wrong but not really knowing what it meant so it was it was really, really, really hard, really horrible. Yeah, yeah. And what sort of happened from there, I guess? How do you process that information and what were you and Tim sort of thinking and how did you make um, decisions from there? 
Um, yeah, we just, I think we just wanted to know. We were just, yeah. every second that we didn't know the situation was so horrible because we just, you know, we were, the range was from, you know, not ending up with a baby to having a baby with severe disabilities to having possibly a baby that needed to be operated on birth and then might be fine to possibly having a maybe a healthy baby but um so I just tried to kind of hack the system and I tried to like get I got um hold of my blood results and I tried to research like crazy and (laughs) try and work out what was going on before I got that appointment um and I did manage to work out a bit of information but None of it really made us feel much better, but it was just trying to kind of kill the time yeah. before um, getting seeing the specialist. Um, and, yeah, and then we, we saw the specialist on the Monday, and he was just amazing. Um, he said to us, you know, I can't guarantee anything, but I really think that your baby probably has a trisomy not um tri- not trisomy 21 which is down syndrome he said he thought it was trisomy 13 or 18 and both of those conditions aren't um really compatible with life yeah. um but sorry he said i needed to have a um a test called chorionic villus sampling and that's where they um take a sample from the placenta and send it away and it gets um they test all the DNA and everything and can give you a, a conclusive result if um, your baby has one of the, the, um, the trisomy conditions. So um, so we did that on the, the Wednesday, two days after our appointment with him, and that was the first time that had been done at our hospital, and so it was, I was a bit of a guinea pig for it. Um, yeah. And they put a really long needle in through my abdomen into... Um, they sort of go along beside the uterus and into the um, placenta, and it's done in um, with a, an ultrasound, yeah. so that they can make sure that it doesn't hit the baby. Um, and that went really well. It was um, it was quite a bit of a scary sort of procedure, but it it went as well as it could have, and they got a good sample. Um, and then we just had to wait until. The Friday to get the results, um, and then my, yeah, on the Friday my specialist rang me and said, um, "It's what I thought it was. It's trisomy 18." Um, and so we knew that because of the omphalocele, the organs coming out, um, we knew that he would need to be operated on at birth. But because of the trisomy 18, even if a baby manages to survive the pregnancy, which it's not very likely. I think there's only a 5% chance with that condition. Um, Then they wouldn't operate on the, on Phallocele because it's not going to be a baby that's going to live for long anyway. It's not really, sometimes there are, you know, there has been an odd person that has lived with it for, you know, a few years or something, but um, they, it's nearly all of them die before they're a year old and it's not, not a wonderful life for them. Um, and we knew that, well, I know that throughout pregnancy, the longer you go, the more the pain pathways develop. So, um, we knew that this, the longer that we kept him inside, the more that he might suffer. And so for us, we had to decide whether to continue with the pregnancy and let nature decide when he would end his life or we had to decide to end his life early and that was that was yeah something I never thought I'd have to do with such a wanted um baby um we knew it wasn't a hard decision as in having to weigh up much we knew that we couldn't for us I mean I respect what anyone does but for us we just couldn't um let that like let the pregnancy continue um and have him be born and die or probably die before then at any time um so but it was still just such a big it was it was an easy decision to make but it was such a horrendous decision to have to make so we chose um to terminate the pregnancy 
um, and I had to choose between a surgical termination or a medical termination. So surgical is um, like a DNC um, where they, you know, remove the contents of your uterus. Um, and medical is when you get put into labour and give birth to the baby. So that's what I chose to do. Yeah, yeah. And do you want to take us through? I know I can't even imagine um, you sharing this information and how you must feel. So I really appreciate that you are. But do you want to take us through sort of, um, I guess, what that process was like? I'm sure there's people listening to this that can either relate or maybe going through something similar. So, yeah, I know it's really helpful. Yeah. Well, that's why I really wanted to share it because when we found out that um, we might have to do this and that we got that bad scan, I didn't know anyone Mm. that had been through anything like it. And I just wanted to talk to someone (laughs) that had, you know, had been through it, but I didn't know how to find that. So I tried to look up things on the internet and it's just such a minefield when you look up that because you at, the, at that time, um, the uh, abortion reform was happening, and so there was just so much crazy information when you Google, <laughs> Google it. And yeah. I had, you know, friends posting on Facebook, you know, anti-termination um, mm-hmm. stuff, and it was just so horrible, and I just felt like I would be judged. And, um, yeah, it was just – that was a really hard part. But once, um, once we had been through it and it – became public I found out so many people have been through similar things but just had never talked about it so that's why I wanted to make sure that people know that there are other people do go through it and I know that I will feel like all of it has been for a reason when someone comes to me and says I've had a bad scan and I might have to do this you know and then I can be there for them I feel like that will be really healing for me so I, I, I feel bad for someone that it when that happens, but I hope that that I can, yeah. I don't know, be there for someone yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah so um, I so I got given a pill to take to end um, in stop. Basically, it's um, it's called mifepristone, and it stops um, the pregnancy from maintaining. It doesn't kill the baby straight away or anything, but it just kind of um, starts the process of the pregnancy starting to sort of stop um and I had to take that on the Sunday um I didn't have to but I said I wanted we wanted once we'd made the decision we were like right we just want to get get it kind of underway so that um we could it could just kind of move on because it was just horrible I'd started to feel him move um and it just felt it was just yeah, I just needed it to kind of move forward. Um, So um, on the Sunday, I um, had to take take that tablet. Um, I have a Doppler at home, so I lay lay down in front of the fire and um, listened to his heartbeat. I I was hoping it wouldn't be there. I, I just, all I hoped was that he would, you know, he, I would have a late miscarriage and wouldn't have to, take the pill to you know end his life um I hoped that he would decide to do it but he was his heartbeat was stronger than ever um so I took a recording of that which was really nice and then I took the pill and there wasn't any I didn't have any signs after that or any bleeding or anything um so I've and but I didn't know really if he was still alive or um or what would happen? I know that most babies that doesn't that doesn't kill them, um, which kind of made me feel a little bit better better about taking the pill. But it was still really hard. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim and I like he, Tim wrote him a poem, which he's so not the type of guy to do that. But it was really really nice. And I wrote him a little um, a little sort of message to say, and we just kind of said it to my tummy, yeah. um, you know, saying we're doing this out of love to try and protect you. Um, and we're really sorry. I wish it could have been different because um, it's just not, yeah. We, I sort of felt like, oh, God, I'm killing my own baby, but I, you, you, 
I knew we knew that we had to do it. Well, we didn't know that we had to do it, but we felt like that was part of parenting yeah. him was to to um, protect him from suffering more later. Yeah. Um, and so I took that tablet. Then nothing really happened. And then two days later, on the Tuesday morning, I went in for the um, to be put into labour. So. Um, I started off t- um, with four tablets of um, misoprostol, and that causes contractions. Um, and you can have them vaginally, or you can take them orally. And I chose to have them vaginally. I had looked into it quite a lot, and it was a bit much of muchness, but um, decided that was the method that I wanted. Um, and then every three hours after that, you have another tablet, um, and the specialist came in to see me and he said that I'd probably have the baby um, that night or the next morning. But um, after about an hour after having those pills, I started having cramps. It wasn't really like the same contractions as with Harry because they were, it was not natural. It was caused by the pills, but um, it was kind of more constant cramping. And yeah, then I, I think it was about an hour and a half later I had him. So I just felt him felt him coming and then um I just got down on my knees and he was born. He was really little. Um I was sixteen weeks pregnant. Um and I was really scared. I was really fearful in that labour. It was completely different yeah. to with Harry because I was worried about how he would look. I didn't want him to look scary. Mm-hmm and not find him beautiful but then I didn't want him to look so perfect (laughs) that I would think oh gosh did we do the wrong thing like was it all a mistake but he was he was so beautiful but he had a couple of tiny little things that were telling Mm. that we could were signs of the trisomy 18 so it was kind of perfect it was enough to be reassuring but he wasn't horrible to look at yeah yeah and I just felt acceptance Like when I held him in my hands, I just felt so much. I didn't feel, I didn't feel bad. I just felt like this is what had to happen. Um, and yeah, it was. I guess I was just full of hormones and everything as well. But it just it felt like it was just what had to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I guess um, what happens from there obviously it's not the same um as giving birth at the end of your pregnancy to a baby that you sort of are expecting to yeah, so what's no. that like well it was he he was just so he was born and then not long after his placenta yeah. came and um it was just really really small um and it's you know, I, I didn't tear, you know, he's not mm-hmm. big enough to cause tears or anything. So you don't need to be like examined or anything afterwards. Um, it's, it's all, it's, it's a lot kind of um, just quieter and stiller. Um, and so I had time holding him and Tim, um, you know, he didn't hold him at that stage, but he looked at him and everything. And then I felt really funny. Um, so I got, my my midwife and the midwife that had been looking after me took him away to examine him because they always examine um, babies after they've been either stillbirth or miscarriage or um, in my case um, a medical termination but they they took him away to examine him and they did um, little footprints um, and um, we just Tim and I just sort of hugged on the bed and then when then when we were ready, we asked him to bring him back and I dressed him in a little thing. My mum had knitted him a little hat and a little sort of pouch thing to go in because it would have been too hard to dress him. Um, And, yeah, she just went and got the most beautiful baby wool that she could find and she had looked online. I think it was called an angel pouch or something. And um, I put him in there and then I we just had cuddles with him and, um, you know, told him we loved him and had, had that kind of time with him. Um, I felt really funny. Like I, I, I kind of felt the same after my birth with Harry as well, just all of hormones yeah. and just 
kind of really out of it and I so I felt kind of really really tired and kind of just a bit I don't know I didn't feel quite right I mean I was also really really sad as well um so we didn't hang around for a really long time we ended up um getting the um the funeral person I can't even think of the right name to call him um he came in yeah and took oh I forgot to say we named him Oliver I wanted to have a name for yeah. him before we um before I gave birth to him just to kind yeah. of give him a bit more personality but um and so he came and um we arranged to go home and they took Oliver to um to the funeral home and he was cremated I think the next day and we had we had a little we um Tim bought two little teddies and I tucked one into my bra while I was sort of in labour and everything. And then when Oliver was born, we tucked one in with him. They were just really little teddies. And then when we said goodbye to Oliver, we swapped them over. So I had the one yeah. that he had had. So it had been with him. And he had the one that, had, you know, had my yeah. smell and everything. And so he could he was cremated with that so that he had... Um, so he had that teddy with him. Um, so that's nice. So I've still got that bear. And Harry loves, mm-hmm. like, I make him wash his hands and everything. And he goes and sits up on the couch and he gets to hold Oliver's bear. And he knows it's really special and he has to, like, hold yeah. it carefully. And so that's so nice to have that. Like, that's such a such a special yeah. thing <laughs> to have that connection yeah. to him. Yeah, but after that it was, yeah, it was kind of just, just recovering mm-hmm. the, the day after. Um, after we had him, I we chose to put it on Facebook that we had what yeah. had happened, because we had put that we yeah. were pregnant yeah. on there, which I kicked mm-hmm. myself for. Um, and we had we're getting messages from people quite often saying, oh, I'm so excited about your baby and how's everything going? And we were kind of having to go, yeah, great. And then so we kind of felt, it felt really hard at the time to have to tell everyone what we'd done and what we'd been through, but um, especially because we were just yeah. worried about what yeah. people would think. But um, what I what I learned from it is that people, just because someone may not, make the same choice as you they have may have chosen to continue with the pregnancy doesn't mean that they will think badly of you everyone has just was just so supportive and so so kind and we got so much support and so much love that if yeah I I think yeah I wish I knew that (laughs) in advance but but um yeah, from then on, I think we had done most of our grieving while yeah. we were actually waiting yeah. for the results because that, that was the worst time. So then after having him, you know, it was we were still grieving, but it wasn't as bad. It was nowhere near as bad as the waiting to find out the results. Yeah. And then we just kind of healed more and more from yeah. there. And have you done sort of anything? Have you yeah. sort of gone and got help from any professionals or have you sort of just done that healing together as a couple and a family or what's that been like? Yeah, no, we, um, I didn't think that I would want counselling straight away. I thought I, I would just want two weeks just to kind yeah. of deal with it myself and then I knew that I wanted to start counselling. Um, but after, I can't even remember how long it was, like not even a week, I just desperately needed to talk to a counsellor um I just felt there was things that I was feeling that I couldn't there was just no one that I could kind of talk to that would understand or um and so I just um contacted my midwife and said I really think I need it like straight away and and so I the counsellor could see me the next day so that was amazing um and yeah she just sort of we just worked through everything together, but she said a lot of the things that I did really helped like having the natural birth, birth um, instead of the surgery so that I got to hold him. And she said, naming him and honoring him as our son. And she said, all of that really helps with yeah. the grieving process. 
so, and I knew that from being a midwife, from helping people with stillbirths and late miscarriages, I knew that the more you can do, the more moments that you can have with your baby, um, the yeah. better it is yeah. <laughs> for for everyone. So, so I kind of knew what what I needed to do, um, and that yeah, I, I went so I went to counselling for a few weeks, and Tim went to a different counsellor and. Um, but we just really, really stuck together as a really, really strong team. Um, I guess it could go either way, but we were really, really connected. Like at one point when we were waiting for the results at our worst times, I just leaned on him so much that if he got up to go and do something, I'd like want to go with him because I just wanted to be close to him. I just felt like I needed him because we were, I didn't want to be on my own and, you know, with the horror of it all, but, um, so it made us so much stronger and we kind of feel like if we could get through having to do that, then we can get through nearly anything. So there's lots of um, silver linings to come out of yeah. our little boy's life. Yeah. I guess this happened in May. So what are we now, September, four or five months um, down the track and how are you guys doing now? And um, yeah, I just yeah. think you're so brave sharing your story and, and being able to talk about it. I've sat here with tears in my eyes the whole time. I just, oh, my heart goes out to you, just breaks for oh. you. So how are you guys oh. going now? And yeah, how have you oh. recovered? No, we're, oh, on, honestly, like yeah. we're actually really good. Like I don't want, you know, I sometimes I feel guilty for, you know. No, I, I don't maybe think I it's should that. Be but we've, we just, we went through such an, <laughs> Yeah, I think we just, we knew what we needed. I knew what we needed to do. And I think we did all the sensible things like counselling and all that kind of stuff. And and I think, although it was so horrible at the time, it having to be public, um, that was the best thing that could have happened. Because we just got such an outpouring of love, like people we barely knew like giving us beautiful things and sending like the messages like I would I I there were times when you know I'd it'd be in the middle of the night and I'd be awake and I just Tim would be asleep or something and I'd feel so so lonely and so sad and then I'd actually go through and just read my Facebook comments of people saying you know the nice things that they'd said and that actually you know, you think when someone has something sad happen and you write your comment like, oh, thinking of you, you kind of think, oh, I wish I could do more. Yeah, and, yeah. But actually that just means so much. The things that people said to us, just we could feel their hearts. It just, yeah. it meant everything to us. And so I think if we hadn't announced the pregnancy before, we probably should have we never would have had that and we yeah. instead we would have had to pretend that it never happened and we would have had this horrible yeah. grief and this horrible thing and knowing that we had a little son and yeah. wouldn't have been able to tell anyone. So I think that was actually such a blessing in disguise, yeah. even yeah. though it was yeah, really hard at the time. And so, I, yeah, now we're just, we're trying to yeah. really just enjoy our lives and trying to make, the rest of this year, like a really easy, fun time, um, just with Harry and just, to, yeah, we're, but we actually, we still have sad times. And as it gets closer to my due date, that's, yeah, yeah, that's getting a little bit hard. Um, because I see yeah. friends that were due around the same time and their big bellies and, and because I love being pregnant so much and I love pregnancy and, yeah. That definitely gets hard, um, but I don't know. I it's also really beautiful. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess you sharing your experience is just another way of, I guess, people connecting through this platform. And like you said, when you made it public and and you told everyone what had happened, you had this outpouring of support, and that's what I hope happens through this platform as well as as people feel that yeah. through hearing your story and although it's absolutely heartbreaking, it's also really um, empowering and celebration of Oliver's life. So yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to share with oh, us. Thank so thank you. you so much. Oh no, thank you for um, allowing me to, I, there's something in me that just wants yeah. to talk about it. 
I think it's, yeah, I want to acknowledge that yeah. he was our little boy. And, yeah, I mean, we once you hold your baby, you know, you, yeah. uh, your baby for or even if you don't hold them, even just knowing that even having yeah. a positive pregnancy test for some people, that's enough to, you know, love that baby and have yeah. dreams and hopes. And um, he will always be so special to us. And I, I think you do want to create meaning from yeah. tragedy, you know. So I really, I just, as I said earlier, I just, I hope that someday someone will come to me and say, I've, you know, I've got a similar thing going on and I can say yeah. you will be okay yeah. eventually, but it's so, so horrible now um, and somehow yeah. help them through it, either by helping them research it or something. I just... Um, yeah, because I had wished yeah. that I had that so much. And after we had put it on Facebook, I had people that I knew, you know, quite well say to me, yeah. we went through yeah. the same thing or we went through something similar, yeah. like multiple people. And I was like, oh, and they hadn't, mm. you know, made it public because of the stigma and, and for their own reasons. And I was just like, oh, I wish yeah. that I knew and I could have talked yeah. to you then. But, you know, I you know, at the same time, oh my gosh, yeah. I can totally understand why you wouldn't um, tell anyone. And we certainly wouldn't have told anyone if we didn't feel that we had to. Um, so, yeah, I just, I hope that someone might be able to get some yeah. comfort from me having been through it. Yeah, no, I'm sure that, um, that, I mean, yeah, someone will relate with this podcast. So, like I said earlier, Emily, I'm so grateful that you came on and shared your story with us all. And yeah, I just think you're incredibly courageous and brave and, and beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. Emily shared her incredibly honest and raw journey with us. So I am really grateful to her for that. I'd love to hear your feedback. So feel free to send me a message on Instagram or send me an email, kiwibirthtales at gmail.com. And I would absolutely love it if you could leave me a review on whatever podcasting app you are listening to. It really supports the podcast. So yeah, I'd be super grateful. Talk to you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.